0: Hey folks, Uh, it's Tuesday, June 2nd, 2020, there is no guest this week because I didn't feel like it, you know, I I, I don't feel like uh, calling up, you know, a friend and and talking about nothing and trying to find some comedic premises, uh, you know, just kind of goofing around on the radio this week um for obvious reasons cuz of uh, what's going on and everything so no guest this week just um i'm going to try and do a thing where i talk for a little bit in the mic every day just to, just to uh, uh fill some time up and and you know hopefully find find some stuff that way and and uh that just seems to be the best way to keep this thing going this week when You know, I don't really feel like uh, uh, goofing off all that much today. My window is open, I just noticed, and a big uh, garbage truck went by, so I'm sure everybody heard that. And because, folks, what is Young Persons Radio, if not a chance to embarrass myself every week? Sometimes it's in my incredible lack of being able to tell funny jokes. Uh, Other times it is uh dance to come off uh really dumb and not smart or informed. And other times it's just to illustrate how to, how little I think through the things that I do, and this is yet another example. I'm recording right next to an open window, and whatever happens out there, and it's the evening and people are off of work now, is just gonna get picked up in the background. So In a time where so much is uncertain and things are changing before our very eyes, know that that will always remain the same, folks. I mean, you know, everybody knows what's going on. There's no way to escape. uh, You know, the massive civil unrest that's going on in cities all across the country, including New York City, where I live, and and the borough of Brooklyn, where I live, and where the station is, and our community uh, uh, just kind of lives. And, um, you know, there's a million things that anybody wants to say about this. You know, we want to tell people what to do. We want to tell people how to do it. And it just comes from this place of absolute outrage and and, and desperation for change and feelings of powerlessness and helplessness and uh, all that stuff. So it's all we can do right now. Okay, it's Wednesday june 3rd we're continuing this uh project of recording a little bit every day and uh seeing what comes of that um and we are going to continue with that today so one of the things that we started talking about yesterday before the truck went by uh is what people can do and uh, you know obviously everybody's this is all anybody's thinking about right now, folks. This is all anybody's thinking about or, or can like afford to think about or even has the space to think about. Um, and, you know, the news came out today that all 50 states are housing protests. Like, there are protests happening in all 50 states, which is um, an incredible display of solidarity and, and unity and just people coming together to support this cause. And it's, it's you know, I'm sure it's historic. In its in its scope, and it's just really cool to see. So, um, coming on a hopeful, not a hopeful note exactly, but that that's that was an inspiring piece of news to me. So, I wanted to sort of give name to that. If you are listening and you are wondering what you can do, you know, because we were talking about this yesterday, it's like everybody just feels kind of helpless and powerless, and it can be overwhelming to. You know, do like a search on Twitter or on Instagram or something, and just see how many action items there are, and get overwhelmed with how much there is to do, or much how much you could do, and then just kind of let that lead you to not doing anything. Um, So, as a small, and I stress small, uh, way of kind of sorting through feelings like that, um, I i would now like to talk about there are things that you can do if you are my listener the things that i am doing um to take action on this cause um so the first thing and these apply to listeners wherever you are in the country is uh you can donate your money um this is not a useless gesture it is in fact a very meaningful one Uh, and you can donate to a national organization looking to end police brutality of which there are several um, or you can donate to a local bail fund to bail out protesters who are arrested over the course of uh, protesting and marching for this cause uh, in this moment Um, the local bail funds around the country are still accepting donations at large, however, the Minneapolis Bail Fund and the Brooklyn Bail Fund um, have both put up notices saying to direct your donations elsewhere. In fact, if they are receiving new donations, they are redirecting them to their partner organizations uh, across the country. Um, so, why not just cut out the middleman folks and uh, find a different organization to um, donate to? Which, do- which organization? You know, there are a million of them out there. There are a lot of organizations that people are are taking the time to list on social media that are all worthwhile for you to donate to. So there's no shortage of options for you. And again, that can be overwhelming. So I will just tell you that in addition to those two local bail funds, I donated to Campaign Zero which is a national nonprofit organization that is working to end police brutality in America. And that's just the one I did. I'm not saying that's the best one uh, uh, to donate to or that their work is any more meaningful than the many other organizations uh, that are out there on the front lines. Uh, that's just the one I chose. Um, and, you know, you can feel free to do the same or not. Uh, that's completely up to you. But do donate. That's the point is do donate your money to an organization fighting this uh fighting for this cause um because any donation no matter how small uh goes a long way um i have seen other people pointing out that it is pride month and there are there is a long list of queer-led organizations for people of color in this country and they are out there as well so if if you belong to that community, or bec- you want to, uh, or if you don't and you still want to celebrate that community within the context of this movement, um, there are a lot of such organizations that you can donate to, and that information is re- readily available out there as well. So that's the first thing you can do is donate. Uh, the second thing you can do is find a march, find a protest. We spoke about this mere minutes ago. Is that there are protests happening in every single state? In the country. All 50 states are protesting about this. So, wherever you are, wherever you listen to Radio Free Brooklyn from, you can find a protest to go to and show your support. Uh, and be a part of you know this moment in history, uh, and and you know just lend your voice to the many who are already ready speaking out on this cause you know and if if you are still afraid of getting sick which I completely understand uh, you know you make sure to wear personal protective gear that you have when you do march um, but if that's kind of a bridge too far for you then like that's okay too there are lots of other ways that you can support this and that's what we are talking about today um, so you can march you can donate and you can, you know, post on social media about it. Uh I realized that there was a controversy yesterday about how effective the black squares really were uh in the blackout Tuesday movement uh in in spreading information, uh you know, you heard a lot of conflicting things and it's it's easy to feel like, you know, I don't want to say the wrong thing, so I will say nothing. And I am here telling you to fight that urge in yourself to not speak out for fear of saying the wrong thing, uh, because if you do that, you are uh, part of the problem. So, so uh, you know, if you are nervous about what to say, there are enormous, uh, there's a huge list of resources that you can just retweet or repost on Instagram uh, that people are sharing all over the place. I would be shocked if you were having trouble finding uh, something that you could reblog or repost uh, because there is such a wealth of information going on out there. So just do that and that's all that's all it takes and that's the, that's the easiest thing uh, you could possibly do. So there you go. There are at least three things. Donate, march or protest and post on social media about this stuff. Now, if you are in New York as those of us in the Radio Free Brooklyn community are um, and many of our listeners are uh, then there are some things that you can locally do as well um, to uh, continue to, to to sort of fight this issue at the local level, um, which we all have an, a great opportunity to do at this moment. The first one, of course is to follow the Justice for George NYC Instagram account, uh, which posts updates throughout the day about where marches and protests and vigils are happening around the city. And there are a number of good opportunities happening in every borough every day uh, so that people can get out and... Show their support. So that's Justice for George NYC on Instagram. That's where I found out about you know the the vigil in Maria Hernandez Park here in Bushwick, where I live, and where the station is home, um, and the one that I plan on going to this evening. Uh, so that's a really good resource just for day to day information. That's the Justice for George NYC on Instagram. The second thing that you can do is support Black-owned businesses like bookstores or restaurants with your money. If you are going to order books because we are still—New York City is still in a lockdown, you can do so by ordering from a Black-owned bookstore in New York City. There are a lot of them. The lists have been called together on social media. The one that I have chosen to support is The Lit Bar, which I believe is up in the Bronx or northern Manhattan and uh, It is a black-owned bookstore. The selection is incredible. Uh, you can order from them. They are fulfilling orders, even though we're in quarantine. Uh, so do that. That isn't that is one thing you can do. You can also order takeout from black-owned restaurants. Um, business ownership is uh, uh, a, uh, a still a extremely valuable way for. Uh, minority communities to get ahead in this country whatever get ahead means uh, for anyone at this point point. Um, and uh, that is a way that we can support our local community in terms of helping people get a leg up especially in a time like this the third thing you can do if you are in new york is you can call your local representatives about repealing the law 50a This law is used to shield police disciplinary records from public release, which prevents police accountability and halts the release of basic information about police officers to the public. And our governor, Andrew Cuomo, uh, the the, uh, uh, TV's favorite governor, has said that he would sign a bill that reforms this law. So you can go to changethenypd.org to get a little more background on it and to figure out how to call the reps in your area. Your local elected representatives want to hear from you on this issue. And a lot of times they don't even answer the phone, so you can just leave a message or email them, and that is just as valid as calling and talking to someone. So go to changethenypd.org to get a little more information on that. But more than anything else, folks... I don't want to say more than anything else, but one of the things that's sort of coming to mind here when we talk about this stuff, and this is true no matter what is going on in your city or your state or your country, no matter where you are in the world, we have no less than a moral responsibility to take care of and be good to the people in our homes and in our neighborhoods and in our communities every day. Especially if you, like me, are a white gentrifier living in a neighborhood in Brooklyn that has been home almost exclusively to people of color up until about five minutes ago. We have to be good to the people in our immediate sphere, and that means you know, saying hi to the bodega guy when you go and buy toilet paper and not just keeping your head down and looking at the counter as you hand over the money or, or put your card in the machine or whatever. That means waving hello to the folks who run your laundromat, you know, uh, chatting with the folks who run your takeout restaurant, or the folks delivering, delivering your food, asking the clerks at the grocery store and the post office how they're holding up, how they're doing through all of this. You know, these are not just trivial acts of kindness that uh, um, don't matter in the grand scheme of things. These are real, meaningful acts that not only you know, brighten the other person's day and your day, they bring you closer together with the people with whom you share your everyday space. That's your city block, your neighborhood, your community. They tell the other person, you are another human being and you are worthy of my time and energy and compassion. Because the fact of the matter is that to exist as a person of color in America is to exist in a system that consistently and repeatedly tells you that you are not worth as much as a white person. And we have so many opportunities if we live in New York City or any diverse community or any even not diverse community in America, to tell these people that that's not true with us, that we see them, you know, I see you and you're just as worthy of my time as anyone else. So by being kind in this way and bringing yourself closer to these people and them closer to you, you... I mean, it's the more you begin to understand and have empathy for the different lives that they lead, and the more likely you will be to help them in more substantive ways when they need it, when you may be called upon. And now is one of those times. I mean, this, these small ways are how real meaningful change begins. So if you live a life that is built around compassion, that is built around empathy and kindness, that seeks to make small sacrifices, like donating your money or donating your donating your time, or having a little conversation with the takeout guy, even though you've been working all day and you're tired and you're fighting with your girlfriend or your boyfriend and your rent's getting raised and you just want to keep those headphones on and keep listening to young person's radio while you pay for your deli sandwich and paper towels. Talk anyway. Be kind. Have compassion. Let these people into your world and let th- they will let you into theirs. And that is how we fight this thing by taking an active step to make the people around us a little better off you know and you can you can extrapolate that to mean you know donating money or volunteering or donating your time and marching or whatever but it starts with those little moments of looking at this other person knowing that the life they lead is very different from yours and saying that despite that or or perhaps even because of that we are connected and that connection is worth something to me, both in a personal, a social, a psychological, an emotional, and of course a political setting. That our, you know, that we honor these connections that we have, that we don't just exist exist in a vacuum. That we see ourselves as a member of something larger, um, and that means take care of each other when we are in need, um, and that means, in this case, uh, looking out for, supporting, and standing alongside uh the black community as they say enough is enough and we say enough is enough so you can do you can do that and it doesn't stop when the protests stop it's a daily thing that we can all do in our own little worlds just make those spheres uh around us just a little larger and a little more inclusive uh and that's how we can start to build a way forward and I do want. You, if you are listening to the show, when you know if you go to the deli, if you're listening to me uh, talk about a freaking Elton John bootleg with Andy Green from ten years ago, at least you know it's pro like that. We had that Andy Green episode, and at the end, I played this concert from 2010, and I was like, "Man, I really would have expected this to go back later." in the past like farther in the past you know if you are listening to that i i i want you to listen to the show don't get me wrong but i give you permission to take out your headphones and say thanks to the bodega guy when you buy toilet paper or paper towels or whatever and like check in and make eye contact etc you know you have uh you have my permission to not listen in that moment to take out the headphones to remove the headphones Dan Savage uh, offers his uh, licenses to cheat sometimes, and this is a moment where I am offering my license to turn off the show. I don't often give it, but this is one of those times. <laughs> All right, folks, we'll see you tomorrow. Oh, it's Thursday now. Hey. Hey, it's Thursday. Cool. So. Day three of the audio diaries here, um, and lots to talk about. I ended the Wednesday section of the episode by mentioning my plans to go to the Vigil for George Floyd in Maria Hernandez Park in Bushwick last night, which started at five o'clock, um, uh, on Wednesday, June 3rd, and we followed through, and I can give you a little bit of a report on that, um. Uh, but first I will say, as I mentioned yesterday, that you can follow, that I found out about that vigil by following the Justice for George NYC Instagram account, which is updated extremely frequently with, with news about what gatherings are happening and where, and again, these are all the five boroughs, um, there is stuff happening in multiple locations every day, so there is uh, opportunities abound to uh uh stand in solidarity with folks and i uh, uh, you know we'll get into that sort of specifically what that means for me uh now by which i mean it, it i go to maria hernandez park yesterday which those of you who are not familiar with uh with that park or bushwick in general should know that maria hernandez park is about the size of what two, three city blocks maybe in New York, it is not a large park. There, there is like a there's a common area where they set up, you know, sort of like a a, a, a speaking area for for the couple of local representatives who were there to speak. Um and it's just sort of this big sort of circle in the park that has like volleyball courts and they've got some skateboarding stuff and some handball courts and 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 uh dog park and all this stuff It's a very small you know t- it, but it, it it's a small park it's it's all it's as big a bigger park as as the Bushwick community needs you know it's it does it's not like you know it's not like prospect park where it's just like everybody's coming from all over to be there you know it's like it's a small community park uh, uh named for you know a local Bushwick hero for crying out loud uh so it's not gonna have a big crowd, you know it's not gonna be able to house a big crowd and you know you're looking around and you know there's several hundred people there still, so it's like it's it's a powerful on its own, but you are kind of like you know you see you see the pictures of uh uh these like huge marches you know down streets and across bridges and everything and it's easy you know, and I'll say I'm guilty of this is that in this the first moment being like. You know, this is just kind of a small, this is a small one. You know, this is a small march. But there is also something powerful, I would say, to realizing that you are quite literally standing shoulder to shoulder with the people in your immediate neighborhood. On this issue you're looking around and you're seeing the exact same people who you see on the tra- this is kind of like a new york thing where like you you do see people i might have even talked about it on the show before where you have people in new york who you see around and you like you never introduce yourself or you like never really meet them you just like you have these people you recognize you know and you're seeing those people there in at, a, at an event like this because you realize they're your neighbors you know, that's it. That's just they're just your neighbors. And there is it's a powerful feeling to look around and realize that my immediate neighborhood, my immediate community, the people who I live next to are all here together on this issue. And there's something, you know no matter the size, that is that is really kind of meaningful about that. We file into Maria Hernandez Park. And there's a lot of uh, sort of local uh, elected officials who are there speaking, um, including, I believe she showed up, uh, but I couldn't quite tell, and I'll get into that in a second, including New York State Senator Julia Salazar, who I voted for, um, uh, who's awesome. But we get there on time, and you know, it's again, it's it's not a big park. So you're not standing too far away from where the speaking is happening, uh, but I can't hear a word where I'm standing, again, not that far away from where the speaking is happening, and I can't hear a word. And it's not because people are talking or they're chanting or anything. It is because the sound system that they set up for these local politicians was so poor. Uh, I think I, I was able to make out (laughs) like zero words uh it just sounded like everything was coming from like a tin can like at the opposite end of a football field um so if i have one piece of advice for future gatherings in maria hernandez it's to get the big speakers uh just kind of you know draw on your uh uh, your political office's budget and maybe get some bigger speakers so that people who are farther than 10 feet away from you can actually hear what you're saying because we are in a position where we are coming to feel a sense of togetherness and to feel a sense of unity and to feel a sense of solidarity and to educate ourselves further on the issues at play and uh we could not hear uh, a single word uh, of that so the event starts off you know it goes for you know, probably about 45 minutes of people speaking and uh uh or you know and not being heard <laughs> in my case and you know it wraps up and people kind of start dispersing and uh, uh there are four exits to the park on this blog and people are, are all kind of spreading out in different ways um and i'm like oh you know well that was you know, you're kind of looking for all the things that I just said about educating yourself further and hearing, you know, from your local officials where they are standing on everything and what they're doing, um, and feeling a little frustrated and defeated uh, in that way. Where it just kind of, it just kind of felt like this, this very un, uh, like very on the nose metaphor. It's like if I like if we if somebody wrote it in a in a, a class or something you'd be like, yeah, step up your game on this where uh politicians of color, community leaders of color are speaking and not being heard. It, like systems are in place in this case a poor technological system to prevent their voices from being heard and it just kind of like, i think was operating on kind of that level for me where i was just like well this sucks you know so i walking away and i'm not feeling particularly good however as has been the case with a lot of the events um in new york city this one started with something a little more organized something a little more centralized like that um and you know the half hour moments of silence Uh, in mccarran park every night at 7 p.m are another good example of this where it's a half hour 45 minutes of sort of the programming where it's whether it's people speaking or they're they're taking the knee for an extended period of time or whatever and then the marches just kind of organically happen after the you know quote-unquote programming has concluded which is exactly what happened in this case so we're leaving the park uh and you know we can kind of see behind us that, a, that a, a a crowd is kind of happening and we kind of hang back and then join this crowd and then sort of a march down knickerbocker avenue in bushwick happens that we get to be a part of and this was kind of what i was looking for in attending the event where you know we're we're, we're chanting we're saying george floyd's name we're saying brianna taylor's name we're chanting black lives matter we're marching in the street down knickerbocker against traffic you know, which is stopping for us. Um, And we walk by... Well, I'll get to that in a second. I'll first say that, like, the folks in their cars could not have been more in favor of what was going on they were honking they were smiling they were waving at us they were like pulling out their phones and taking videos of the protest a couple people got out of their cars and waved and like they're putting their kids up on top of their cars (laughs) to kind of stand and wave uh which you know the the preschool teacher and me kind of feared the worst of that happening where it's just like yeah i don't let kids climb up on a wooden table that's 18 inches off the ground in my classroom and this mom is getting out of her car and sitting her like standing her like it looked like four-year-old daughter up on top of their minivan and she's just like waving at everybody i mean it's very sweet and it was a powerful image and everything but the preschool teacher uh you know my professional self was just like get that kid down off that car get her off i don't care what she supports Get her back to safety! But it was an incredible feeling, again, to be shoulder-to-shoulder with folks who you know live nearby, uh, uh, you know, and in the same... And just sort of take up the same spaces as you. And to come together with them in this moment of solidarity was, was really powerful and inspiring. And if anyone is on the fence about going out and and marching and protesting because you are worried about, you know, covid or 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 you know, it's just not something you feel comfortable doing. Or if you're on the fence and you're wondering if it's worth going, I would say it certainly is just because you you really feel that sense of togetherness that that people talk about. Um and it's sort of what we were talking about on the show a little bit yesterday during the Wednesday segment which is those opportunities that we have day in and day out to let each other into our worlds and then be let into someone else's world Uh, and how that is how change happens I mean this is a really sort of potent version of those little interactions that we talked about yesterday Um, and I couldn't recommend it more if it's something that you feel safe uh, uh, doing Um, and I'm not going to tell you how to handle that that particular question because everyone's got to figure that out for themselves but you know i decided for myself that it that it was you know acceptable to take the risk to to stand together with like other residents of bushwick um in solidarity and in support of of black lives matter uh and the black lives matter movement um and uh so i would recommend that but again i'm not telling you what to do i'm just saying if you're on the fence uh, i would say go for it um so yeah so that was the that was the maria hernandez park vigil yesterday um and then afterwards you know uh i went and met up with uh hallie haas to go to the mccarran park uh, uh vigil for a little bit and we popped in there and um You know, had a moment of silence enchanted, and then had to jump back on the train uh, to get back home by the time the curfew uh, was put in place because, as, as the Justice for George NYC Instagram reported to me on the way to the McCarran Park protest, the punishment for being out past curfew has been raised by the mayor to a Class B misdemeanor, which essentially means... Uh, that if you are arrested for going out past curfew, um, the mark on your record is much more severe than it was prior to this, and that is thanks to our uh, terrific mayor, who, again, we will revisit shortly uh, in the show. Uh, So, yes, I did brave the subway to get to the McCarran Park uh assembly uh which was bizarre i mean there were only about two it was this is the first time i've been on the subway since uh, uh march 13th uh and it was just it there's almost there's a week, like a week shy practically a week and change shy of, of three full months not on the train uh and it, 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 it was crazy it was like i, I describe this as like it, it was like having flashbacks it was almost like visiting your hometown where you like have flashbacks of like things you did on the subway as a younger man <laughs> like I was sitting there being just like oh like I remember like coming home from work on this thing and and popping in my headphones boy those sure were the days like it was an incredibly surreal uh uh experience um and and uh but you know a necessary one for for this particular thing um I'm 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 glad I did it uh feeling good about that uh and then... I mean, it was just, we'll skip ahead. We'll, should we just talk about the mayor really quick? Uh, this this bum, Bill de Blasio, this absolute bum who is just a, spinelessly capitulating to the NYPD every chance he can. I mean, the way that the governor and the mayor are talking about the NYPD is abhorrent and disgusting. There was a thing that was on Twitter today about how uh, Governor Cuomo was— uh, uh, Trying to dispute this idea that police were using batons last night against protesters, and there were mass arrests last night. By the way, after the after the mayor upped the punishment for being out past curfew, there were uh, there was an uptick in arrests of protesters, uh, uh, which is shameful. Um, but the governor is saying, "Oh, it's ridiculous to to assert it's just not a fact that uh, uh, police officers are using batons against protesters for no good reason. There must have been a good reason. It would it's it's ridiculous to assume that police have no reason to be, uh, beat a protester within an inch of their life with a baton uh, when it's just like, of course there is." You know, we have been seeing it every day how rough police are with protesters and how the, the the fact that the government, that these officials who, the fact that they continue to side with the police publicly it, it is atrocious. Um, and it just proves the extent to which they do not care about you, to which they do not care about me. Uh, that they only care about retaining their power, which is what this is about. I mean, the, 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 the Policeman's Union is an incredibly powerful political force, uh, certainly at the city level here in New York, uh, and I'm sure at the state level also. And you see it, I mean, like, there were, this was, I forget, I, it was after Eric Gardner's death, I believe— was that de Blasio said something publicly about the way he was treated at the hands of the police officers that, in case you forgot, resulted in his death uh, in situations much similar to the ones that, that uh, uh, contributed to George Floyd's death, where this this guy, Eric Gardner, was essentially strangled to death by police officers on Staten Island. Um, and de Blasio said something about it that the police commissioner at the time did not like, and soon afterwards, de Blasio was giving a speech to a bunch of police officers in which they all turn their backs on him in this you know uh, measure of of uh, uh of protest uh and ever since then the guy has just been completely a, a, a whimpering uh uh nothing spineless twerp at the hands of these police o- police officers because he's scared of them turning their backs on him again i guess I mean, he's afraid of losing his... Po- I mean, it's just what it is. He's just afraid of losing his power, which is, is, is shameful. And it's why uh, you cannot count on these people to, to speak up at all uh, for any, uh, you know, for anything right. So if you're, if you're listening to this on Sunday, which is when this is going to go live on Radio Free Brooklyn, or as a podcast the following day, then... I hesitate to mention this because the deadline will have already passed. Um, uh, but there has been a push this week, and I participated in it today, to write to the mayor's office uh, asking him to not approve the city's budget for next year, which is due tomorrow, Friday, June 5th, which in its current, in its current form, rather, overwhelmingly allocates city funds to the police force uh and asks instead for some of that money to be redistributed to other uh more community-based city departments such as education and healthcare and infrastructure um so that's been happening this week but if you are living in another city or if you're just hearing this after if there this cause is of course you know evergreen even though the deadline will have passed uh, uh so you know educate yourself about that you know well you mentioned it yesterday going to change the nypd uh, dot org um and sort of on that note there was you know because the, the, the phrase like defund the police gets tossed around a lot and there's this this big debate on whether it's like oh is do we defund the police do we just reform the police like yada 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 And, you know, rather than weigh in on, you know, (laughs) what I think the best approach to this would be, because, you know, this is not a thing that in my own sort of political reading I've done a ton of time on. Uh, So I'd hesitate to weigh in for fear of my own ignorance. But there was an article on NPR that made the rounds this week in which Alex S. Vitale, who wrote the book uh, The End of Policing, essentially says that we're asking the police to do too much by which he means if we address the problems or the circumstances in our society that contribute to crime then we won't have as much of a need for the police to handle crime uh here is what he says uh, as far as it goes as far as the homeless question is concerned he says And this is a long quote, so bear with me. He says, we've created this situation where our political leaders have basically abandoned the possibility of actually housing people, which, of course, is the real solution to homelessness, supportive housing for those who need extra support. But basically, we have a massive failure in housing markets that is unable to provide basic shelter for millions of Americans. So instead of actually addressing the fundamental problem, we have relabeled it as a problem that is the fault of the disorderly people who we label as morally deficient. And then we use the police to criminalize them, to control their behavior, and to reduce their or disorderly impact on the rest of us. And this is perverse and unjust, so then it places police in this completely untenable situation because they completely lack the tools to make this problem any better, and yet we've told them it's their problem to manage. And part of our misunderstanding about the nature of policing is we keep imagining that we can turn police into social workers, that we can make them nice, friendly community outreach workers. But police are violence workers. That's what distinguishes them from all other government functions. They have the legal capacity to use violence in situations where the average citizen would be arrested. So. When we turn a problem over to the police to manage, there will be violence because those are ultimately the tools that they are most equipped to utilize. Handcuffs, threats, guns, arrests. That is what is at the root of policing. So if we don't want violence, we should try to figure out how not to get the police involved. That's Alex S. Vitali. I hope I'm pronouncing his last name right. In an interview with NPR, uh, the article is called um, How Much Do We Need the Police... Uh, and that was posted this week and, and should not be hard to find if you if you do a search um, on line for that article. Uh, a couple other things I would like to mention is that yesterday I talked about the intersection of this happening during Pride Month um, and just sort of mentioned that uh, there are some queer led um, uh, uh, organizations for people of color that you can donate to uh, a couple of the ones i want to mention by name these are all good options again not telling you which one to do just these are all uh, uh, uh options for organizations to donate to if you are looking to both mark the occasion of pride month and uh, um Act in the name of the Black Lives Matter movement. So, one of them is the Black Visions Collective, a black, queer-led, and trans-centering organization whose mission is to dismantle systems of violence. Uh, So you can find out more about them online. That's the Black Visions Collective. Another one, the National Center for Transgender Inequality. Tony McDade, a black trans man, was killed by police in Florida last week. There's also a GoFund for uh, uh, for his memorial service, a GoFundMe for his memorial service uh, that you can donate to as well. There's also the Homeless Black Trans Women Fund, the Emergency Release Fund, which was initially focused on keeping trans people out of New York City jail, Uh, But the fund has expanded its mission during the COVID-19 pandemic to include anyone in the LGBTQIA plus community. And finally, there's the LGBTQ uh, Freedom Fund, a national organization that posts bail to secure the releases of tens of thousands of LGBTQ people held in jails. And additionally, the organization raises awareness of the disproportionate harm of mass incarceration on the queer community. So following up from that uh, yesterday. Finally, I will tell you that in the midst of all of this, of researching, you know, organizations that are fighting police, police brutality, they are supporting the black community, that are supporting the LGBTQ community and LGBTQ people of color. What arrives in the mail today for me? But a letter from my college, the University of Maryland Alumni Association. Telling me uh, whether you want to get in touch with former classmates, take the next steps in your career, or simply expand your social circle, the University of Maryland Alumni Association has you covered. And for just the low, low price of $55, I can get a year membership uh, to this alumni network. And thank you so much. uh, to, To share my pride right now, they sent me free... Um, envelope labels with my return address on it so I don't have to write my own address in the corner of an envelope and you know folks I'm just sending so much mail all the time I'm just I, I'm sending letter after letter to people and I'm going oh man I wish there was a way for me to not write my address in the top left corner of the envelope and tell everyone that I'm a proud alumnus of the University of Maryland. Uh, uh, at the same time and by God they have done it they have helped me out I mean could you imagine this coming in the mail and going oh yes the University of Maryland to which I've already given and continue to give money (laughs) because of my student loans uh is that's who i you know i'm just having such a generous spirit for uh institutions right now i'm just i'm giving so much money to institutions that i might as well just write another check for 55 dollars for a year oh and by the way the best value is if i'm a lifetime member uh i can just get that for 650 dollars right now if my my spirit of generosity extends uh, uh over a lifetime Uh, Because God knows the University of Maryland gave me so much while I was there uh, and continues to just give and give and give to those who who have since graduated from its hallowed halls. Why not give to the university whose football team killed a 19-year-old black man named Jordan McNair in 2018 when he collapsed after a workout due to extreme exhaustion and heat stroke and then did nothing about it? The university who up until 2015 had its football stadium named after a former athletic director, Harry Byrd, who was a vocal supporter of segregation in the 1950s. And the university where in 2017, a Bowie State student uh, named Richard Collins, who was visiting his friends at the University of Maryland, was stabbed to death by a University of Maryland student who belonged to a white supremacist Facebook group. I mean, for God's sake, like, I can't imagine a worse time for this letter to arrive i mean it pissed me off so much and instead of doing that instead of giving them any money at all i have found a black-owned bookstore in silver spring which is a neighboring city called loyalty books that you can order books from uh instead and I'm, you, you bet your ass i'm gonna find 55 dollars worth of books to, to order from, I mean, good lord, the best thing that, the University of Maryland, I mean, all these universities are fucking racist hellholes, you know Uh, I would like to one day be invited back to Harvard to do improv, but uh, uh, I mean, you know I'm up in that castle, man, and uh, it's all, oh, John Updike lost his virginity on this couch and and uh, uh Conan O'Brien uh, uh sat in this uh big giant wooden chair and it's just like yeah yeah I, I did see only white people here in this citadel of power uh and that is all I will say on that because we're getting into the Ivy League question which maybe cuts a little too close to the it's you know it's just it's not what we're talking about right now and I'm I'm fine with that I'll leave that for another day when we're uh, when we're abolishing the Ivy League, which we should do, and which uh, I will be uh, joining those protests as well when they happen, and donating to whatever campaigns are, <laughs> are leading that fight. The best thing the University of Maryland ever gave the world, I think, I mean, you could, you could make a good argument for Jim Henson, I guess, but, you know, uh, other than Muppet Babies, the full-on Muppets never really did it for me, um, is this is that Rebecca Martinson's sorority girl email that went viral in 2013? Do we I'll, I'll Jay, do we remember this folks I'll Jay Leno this thing do we remember this letter? this email basically a email was leaked and then went viral uh, in 2013 that this girl Rebecca Martinson who then like had a media career after this like she was she wrote a nasty email to her sorority sisters and then like had a career in the media after this. She sends this email to her sorority sisters that's like, calls them out for being too boring at parties. <laughs> which is, I mean, I have got to find this thing and read it, because this is, the to this day, I mean, this came out in 2013, we're talking seven years later, this thing is making me so happy. It has one of the greatest openings to any email, which is, alright, here I found it, this is the original, this is the initial Gawker story, the full email. Starts like this: If you just open this, like I told you to, tie yourself down to whatever chair you're sitting in, because this email is going to be a rough fucking ride. I mean, that is without a doubt the greatest start to any. I mean, already this is this is gold. You know, if you if you, I'm gonna take, I'm gonna re, I'm gonna reframe something I said earlier in the earlier in the show, which is that if you write your mayor or your elected representative. Do not use the script that has been provided for you generously on social media and all over the internet to tell them what you want them to do and what issues you're speaking out on. If you are a listener to this show and you write your your representatives and you you open the email by saying, if you just open this like I told you to, tie yourself down to whatever chair you're sitting in because this email is going to be a rough fucking ride. I will match any donation to any organiza- to any like you know Black Lives Matter affiliated organization up to fifty dollars if you do that and you prove it. I I don't know how you would prove it because people are forging, you know, shit all the time. It's like this whole thing where people are like posting tweets like, "Damn, it's it's fucked up that uh, Conan O'Brien tweeted this," and then it's like him just being like, uh, "I I thought uh, um, that Trump was doing a terrific job," you know, and it's just like a joke, you know. So people, I don't know. You know what? I rescind this challenge. Just know that I love this email, uh, and I want to read a little bit more of it. For those of you who have your heads stuck under rocks, which apparently is the majority of this chapter, we have been fucking up in terms of nighttime events and general social interactions with Sigma Nu, which is a a fraternity. It's like they're they're a partner. They're, like, brother organization from Delta Gamma, which is their sorority. I've been getting texts on texts about people literally being so fucking awkward and so fucking boring. If you're reading this right now and you're saying to yourself, but OMG, I've been having so much fun with my sisters this week, then punch yourself in the face right now so that I don't have to fucking find you on this campus and do it myself. I do not give a flying fuck, and Sigma Nu does not give a flying fuck about how much you fucking love to talk to your sisters. You have 361 days out of the fucking year to talk to your your sisters, and this week is not. I fucking repeat, not one of them. This week is about fostering relationships in the Greek community, and that's not fucking possible if you're going to stand around and talk to each other and not our matchup. Newsflash, you stupid cocks! Frats don't like boring sororities! Oh wait, double fucking Newsflash! Sigma Nu is not going to wait around, uh, not going to want to hang out with us if we fucking suck! (laughs) Which, by the way, in case you're an idiot and need it spelled out for you, we fucking suck so far! This also applies to you little shits that have talked openly about post-gaming at a different frat in front of Sigma Nu Brothers?! Oh, I literally want you to email me back to tell me if you're meant... Okay, I'm not going to read the R word. Gets thrown around. That's a bridge too far. If Sigma Nu openly said we're going to invite Zeta over, would you be happy? Would you? No, you wouldn't. So why the fuck would you do it to them, in front of them? First of all, you shouldn't be post-gaming other frats. I don't give a fuck if your boyfriend is in it, if your brother is in it, or if your entire family is in that frat. You don't go. You don't go. And you especially do fucking not convince other girls to leave with you. Oh, I'm I'm doing the whole thing. I don't care. I'm doing the whole thing. But Julia' name changed on Gawker to pre- to protect Rebecca Martinson's identity, which I guess didn't matter because she immediately revealed herself and then got a career writing at Bro Bible. But Julia, you say in a whiny little bitch voice to your computer screen as you read this email. I've been cheering on our teams at all the sports. Doesn't that count for something? No, you stupid fucking asshats. It fucking doesn't. Do you want to know fucking why? It doesn't count because you haven't, you, because you've been fucking up at sober events, too. I've not only gotten texts about people being fucking weird at sports, for example, being stupid shits and saying stuff like, dur, what's kickball, is not fucking funny, but I've gotten text about... <laughs> People actually cheering for the opposing team? The opposing fucking team. Are you fucking stupid? I don't give a shit about sportsmanship. You cheer for our goddamn team and not the other one. Have you ever been to a sports game? Are you fucking blind? Or are you just so fucking dense about what it means to make people like you uh, uh, that you... think being a good little supporter of the greek community is going to make our matchup happy well it's time someone told you no one fucking likes that especially our fucking matchup i will fucking cunt punt the next person i hear doing something like that and i don't give a fuck if you so if you sore me i forget i this has to be a has to be a thing Oh, Julia, I'm crying now because your email has made me so sad. Well, good. If this email applies to you in any way, meaning if you are a little asswipe that stands in the corners at night, or if you're a weird shit that does weird shit during the day, (laughs) then the following message is for you. Do not go to tonight's event. (laughs) And for those of you who are offended at this email, I would apologize, but I really don't give a fuck. Go fuck yourself. See you on Friday, folks. Well, folks, we made it to Saturday, Uh, against all odds. Tim Keck is here. Let me just... uh, You made it! Tim, get over here. You can't hear me? yeah
1: you made it colby you did it saturday talking to yourself every single day i didn't think you could do it a lesser man would have buckled under the pressure of generating new content for his loyal followers every single day this week are you kidding me some podcasters can't even do once a week speaking about myself uh you on the other hand are a titan in the industry an inspiration to all of us and a beacon of hope in these trying times
0: tim you really did not have to be that nice that's awesome
1: What you've accomplished here is unparalleled in the
0: industry. It's unparalleled. I put together one hour of show. This
1: has been one small step for podcasting and one giant leap for all of your listeners.
0: You're welcome for the giant leap. Everybody. Well, Tim and I are here on a Saturday morning. Um... Uh, after a really intense week that we, you know, we chronicled on the show today, um, having a drink of coffee, you know, which I can't do in the studio usually. Ow, just shit my pants. <laughs> <laughs> just coffee. Coop. Uh, is it too late to make this episode into a WTF? I think so.
1: Not a chance. Getting some. Get. You don't need it. You don't need another guy in here with you you don't even need me cut me out edit me out of this man don't let anybody hear this is just you doing you
0: i'll give a brief shout out to a uh, um, friend of the show charlie walden once i was uh, like on my way to the studio and i saw him and he was like who's on this week and i was like oh nobody i'm just taking calls and he went ah yes a whole episode that's the first 15 minutes of wtf everybody's favorite part <laughs> I wouldn't know. I've
1: never listened to it. Is that true? (laughs) I mean, I definitely have fast-forwarded through it, like, every other time I've listened. (laughs) Maybe when he started, it used to be setting up a beef. It used to be like, well, I'm about to go into Louis C.K.'s house. We haven't spoken in 20 years, and he just beat the shit out of me in a parking lot. And you're like, wow, I really needed this information up top. And now it's like, well, I fed some ducks at the lake, and uh, here's some guy you've never heard of.
0: (laughs) I have gone on record on the show as saying that I, I stand the Mark Marin uh, monologues at the beginning. I love him. I would die for him. I've met him a couple times, only really? only in like a fan context. Yeah.
1: Where where did you meet Mark Maron?
0: Well, two times at his shows because he like signs stuff and takes pictures with people afterwards, That's cool. which is awesome. And then uh, our buddy Jack met him at the Strand Bookstore years ago.
1: Whoa! An old haunt of old school comics.
0: <laughs> no, folks. What is there to say? the The bad news keeps coming. Um, every day, there is a new video of protesters being brutalized by the police, um, and uh, the mayor just refuses to acknowledge that it's like a widespread pattern. Like he's De, De Blasio goes on Brian Lara yesterday. And it's just like these are a couple of isolated incidents, but I've overwhelmingly seen that uh, protesters have been handled peaceably by the NYPD. And it's just like, are you watching a movie right now? Like, what is what are you talking about? I mean, he is he is right to some extent
1: in the fact that there have been lots of peaceful protests. That police have not shown up to. And there have been no police brutality or violence at any of those protests. So I don't know what the percentages are. I mean, maybe those are the statistics he's looking at. But from what I've seen from lots of secondhand accounts... Uh, of, of close mutual friends of ours Is you know cops show up And uh, they fuck shit up right now
0: Yep so still waiting on some word from that From the mayor Some good news that I want to go through real quick All four officers involved in George Floyd's death uh, Have been charged now Uh, The L.A. mayor has asked city leaders to identify $150 million in cuts to the LAPD budget, which, as many have pointed out, is not enough, but it is a move in the right direction. The Manhattan D.A. has declined to prosecute nonviolent protesters who have been arrested by police. Uh, The Louisville City Council Public Safety Committee passed a proposal to severely curtail no-knock warrants, which, if you are unfamiliar, constitute the grounds on which police were able to forcibly enter Breonna Taylor's home and shoot her. Uh, and the law was passed 7-0 to and now goes before the city council for a vote this coming Thursday, June 11th. Folks, we're just about out of time. Uh, keep making donations. Keep getting out in the street. Keep doing research. Keep using whatever platform you have to help educate others. Be good to yourselves and be good to each other. Tim?
1: Thanks, Jerry Springer. Uh, Black Lives Matter. Defund the police. Uh, that doesn't mean no police. just means maybe we should spend some of that money buying them tanks on the building the community. That'd be nice. That's it for me. Give us Unless you a, want more?
0: Give us a Tim out. Tim out. See you next week, everybody.